Amen. How are we this morning? Good. Oh, praise the name. He is worthy to be praised this morning. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our lives this morning. Uh, and what I want to do for just a minute, I, you know, we like to pray around here, so I'm going to pray one more time. But today we're going to look at what it means to launch together. And I, and I want to look the next two weeks, we're going to, this week we're going to look at what it means to launch vertically. Next week we're going to look at what it means to launch horizontally. Today we're going to have a God-centered approach to our launch. Next week we're going to have a world-centered approach to our launch. What it means to launch out into the deep in faith to see people one to Christ for his namesake. So... Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, you are the greatest of all time. You never change, you never waver, you never fail, you never back down. You are infinitely better than anything that we could ever experience here on this planet. You are just that good. And God, I pray today as we worship you, God, as we long to know you in the scriptures, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, I don't want to miss a thing this morning. I don't want it to be just another day that we come into your presence, God, and, and sing a few songs and hear some guy talk about your word and leave unchanged. I want to leave changed. God, I want your people to leave changed with renewed vision and hope and excitement at what you are capable of doing, God. You are God. You are God alone. So as we look at the scriptures this morning, God, please do in our hearts what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, and everybody together said, amen. All right. Um, some of you come this morning, and you feel like you are running into 2017. Who's excited about it being 2017? Like, yeah, 2017. Woo! It's awesome. Some of you are like, Oh God, thank you that 2016 is over, right? Like you feel like you stumbled or limped into 2017 like, oh Lord, we made it. How did this happen? Today, I, I want to talk about what this year might look like if we launched into the year with a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective. I'm going to say that one more time. You're going to hear me say it a few times over the morning. Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective. I've said it for years and years. I want to be Christ-centered and cross-focused. I've made that prayer of mine. But as I, I look at this coming year, what it means to really be Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning. I'm convicted when I think about how many people I personally led to Christ in 2016. This isn't part of the sermon. This is just all free for just a minute. How many people I personally, all right, I'm preaching to TJ, but if you want to take it for yourself, that's cool too for the next couple of minutes. How many people I shared the gospel with in 2016? How many people I intentionally out of, went out of my way to engage them and unpack what the God of creation did for them in Christ Jesus? I'm a little convicted. So, I want to launch into 2017 with a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning God-glorifying perspective. I want to see souls won to the kingdom this year. I want to see lives change from darkness to light. And the only way to do that is to be Christ-centered and cross-focused. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to bounce around a lot, but this is kind of where we're starting. There are two things that are absolutely necessary to launch. Absolutely necessary. You can't get around it. 
This morning, the parallel that we'll use for just a minute is the idea of a spaceship. If you think about the, the, the launch of a spaceship, there's two things that are absolutely necessary when you consider it. When you consider a launch. Number one, if you're taking notes, is preparation. I remember the, I was probably seven or eight years old, and my dad was super, super excited. My dad always liked to, uh, to do interesting stuff with me and my sisters. So he'd, he'd, hey, let's go to a museum, or let's go do this or that. Or one day we woke up, and he said, hey, I want to take you on a trip. I was like, sweet, we're going on a trip. So we all pile into the car, and we drive for hours and hours and hours and what felt like forever. Now, anybody like me just hate a car ride, like hate riding in the car become accustomed to it over the years of traveling with music and ministry, but I, I don't really like it. And so we're just driving and driving, and, and all of a sudden in the distance, my, my dad's just getting charged up, energized, and he's like, there it is. I'm like, what? And all these cars are pulled off the side of the road, all the flashers are on, and these people are standing with their binoculars, and some people have spotting scopes, and they're just in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden we get out of the car, and my dad's like, can you see it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and way off in the distance, there, there was this little, this little speck. And behind it, there was this trail of, of white steam or smoke, and we were, he had... I don't remember what time he woke us up that morning, but we had driven all the way to Cape Canaveral and we were watching a, a rocket or something take off and he was mesmerized. And I just remember thinking, we, just, we drove all this way to look at Like, I see those things fly across the sky every day, Dad. But when I was thinking about that story, I was thinking about that launch. That's my first memory of seeing something launched, remembering something launched. And I thought about this coming year for us as believers. If we want to have a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective, there has to be deep preparation. There has to be real preparation before launch. Like no, nobody at NASA just came in one day and said, Hey guys, I found this rocket at the pawn shop. Let's go to the moon. No. There was deep research, deep study. They had to understand everything about the human body. They had to understand everything about space and its barriers and how we were going to break through the atmosphere. There was so much research that went into it for the launch to take place. I want to ask you today, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scriptures God-breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped in every good work. This year, hear me when I say this, if you want to launch into 2017 with a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective, then you have to prepare in research. What's that mean? You gotta read the Bible. If you want to launch, if you want to have that perspective, you have to be saturated with that information. I guarantee you if you were to ask an astronaut, so could you tell me a little bit about space? Do you think you'd be there a while? Anybody? Probably start with a story of I remember the, the first time I saw the president talking about going out of outer space. They would tell you about the galaxies. They would tell you about their experience. They would tell you about all the research they had done. But they wouldn't say, hey, yeah, I've researched the subject. Let me unpack it. Why? Because they have a love for it. See, when we research the Word of God in such a way that it, it stirs our affection, stirs our hearts, and we saturate ourselves with it, it's not just research. It's preparation for launch. 
See, without a foundation in the word of God, without the foundation, a foundation in the data of his holiness, we'll never stand in 2017. You say, no, 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 TJ, no, I'm doing pretty good. No, you're not, neither am I. Without the word of God, we're gonna absolutely fall on our face. So prepare, like I'm just encouraging this morning, prepare. Dig into the word of God. Listen to what he says in Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Those guys sitting in the, in, in, in the strapped in in the, in the space shuttle, they don't think, oh man, I, I really hope this thing cranks. Anybody? No. Why? Because they understood their equipment. They were researched. They trusted it. There's only one reason that you would strap yourself to a shuttle that's going into another realm of the atmosphere. is because you trust it. Could it be that this year we research this thing in such a way, that we dig in in such a way, that we cling to the scripture in such a way that we know what we're strapped to? we have confidence and we're prepared for 2017 because we know the subject material. We know the Bible. In preparation, that, that's one of the first things, but it's not the only thing. An astronaut going into outer space, they had to be absolutely researched. They had to know their craft. And as believers launching into 2017, we have to know our God. We have to know his scriptures. But more than that, there's something else. When they're preparing to go out into outer space, they have to be fit. They have to be physically fit. And I don't know about you, but there, I remember this season of my life where I just, I love Krispy Kreme donuts when the light's on. Anybody with me? Amen. Anybody, right? So like whole milk and Krispy Kreme was life, right? I didn't have to have anybody tell me hey, TJ, go run a mile. And when I'm in the process of running the mile, nobody had to come alongside of me and say, while I'm hassling and, and laying on the ground wanting to die. Nobody came along and said, hey, bro, you're, you're out of shape. I knew I was out of shape. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? 2 Corinthians 13.5. See, someone who's launching into 2017 with a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying mentality means that not only are they going to endeavor to research, to know the Word of God, but also that they're going to know their selves, they're going to know their own hearts and where they stand with God. They're going to test themselves. I don't have to come alongside of you this morning and say, hey, you're dropping the ball. Hey, you're not spiritually fit. Hey, you're spiritually sick and unwell. I don't have to tell that to any of you because if you sit here under the presence and the glory and the anointing of God or at your house or wherever you are and you encounter Christ in the scriptures, you know instantly if you are not fit. I remember when I was in uh, elementary school in Lee County and um, Twice a year, one time in the fall, one time in the spring, they would all bring us into the gym. Does anybody remember the fitness test that we had taken in elementary school? The, the ruler thing, they'd make you put your feet against the bleachers and then like lay over a ruler and how far you get. And then they that pincher thing, anybody remember that? You're 20% fat, 
you need to get bought ever. I'm like, man, in front of all these people in the middle of the gym, humiliating. And I could never, like, I was always, like, looking at other people doing the ruler. I'm like, I can't, like, Aren't you glad that God's a lot more gracious than that with us? Moments where we have strayed in 2016, God doesn't bring us up here in front of everybody and say, look at all the ways you don't measure up this year. Aren't you glad that he deals with us on a personal level? Aren't you glad that he deals with us intrinsically? Don't you... Aren't you glad that he deals with us spiritually? And this morning, even under the sound of my voice as we're preaching and walking through the text together, we feel that sweet feeling of conviction. And I say sweet. The most loving thing God could ever do for us, uh, other than obviously Christ coming and dying, but to convict us from sin so that we might make it right and be close to him again. Oh, what a loving thing it is to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. This morning... If we're going to launch into 2017 with a God-centered perspective, we, we have to have research. We have to be prepared. We have to know the Word. So listen, I'm just encouraging you. Grab a Bible study. Get a few people to say, hey, let's just read a chapter a week together. Some of you are like, you probably already made it up in your mind. I'm reading the whole Bible in the next three months. Just grab a chapter or a small book out of the New Testament. Go through the Bible. If that's you, go for it. Three months. You kill it. That's awesome. But for the rest of us, those of you like me, grab a chapter or a book and get to know God. Also examine yourself. Am I in the faith? Am I fit? Have I been living a life full of integrity, above reproach? Have I been clinging to the cross or have I been clinging to my preferences and my own wants? Am I spiritually fit? If we're going to launch... Ask yourself that question. And last thing, as we think about preparation this morning, out of the two things that are absolutely necessary to consider when launching, the last thing is there has to be a team. There's no one on the planet that we can go knock on their door and say, hey, can you tell me how you came up with all the math and all the science and you built your aircraft and... You flew to the moon and then you, all by yourself, figured out the coordinates and launched whenever you felt like it and came back home all alone. Can we do that? No, because even if you say, well, surely somebody could do a trip by themselves, they would have to go to somewhere to get the fuel, right? There'd have to be someone to prepare their food. Somewhere down the line, there's a farmer. So what I want you to hear me say today is that no one's launching this year without a team. No one does it by themselves. There's no such thing as solo flying in Christianity. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity, Maverick Christianity. There's no such thing as that. We were built for community. We were built for togetherness. The Bible says, listen to this, the Bible says that we are many members of one body. It's who we are. Toes and fingers, arms and ears and eyes and nose. And listen, if we separate from one another, if we refuse the team, then we neglect the body and the body's impaired. So for the glory of God, for the good of ourselves and for the good of our church, we knit together. Because no one gets to space without a team. 
No one maintains a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective without a team, without accountability, without somebody walking with them to pick them up when they fall. No one gets to Christ. No one gets to the moon without a team. No one. I think about my own journey in faith. I didn't come to Christ by myself. Just one day woke up and said, you know, I think I'll be a believer today. Check mark the box Christian. No, God used this team of people from the time I was 12 all the, or from 8, the first time I heard the gospel, all the way to when I was 16. He used this team of people. We don't get to God or maintain a Christ-centered, cross-focused perspective today without a team. So hear me when I say this. If you're neglecting your research, if you're neglecting time in the Word, just receive that conviction. Allow the Lord to deal with your heart. If you're neglecting your fitness, and I mean spiritual fitness, probably could be said about our physical fitness as well, but if, we're, if you're neglecting your fitness, if you, you know that you spiritually are sick and you are not honoring the holiness of God and you are living a, a life of sin that you won't confess, listen, just receive conviction this morning. Turn from your sin. Allow Christ to saturate your heart. And if you refuse to do life without a team, receive that conviction from the Lord this morning. Repent and ask for accountability. Two things are absolutely necessary when we consider launching. Preparation, which considers those three things, and also a charted destination. How well do you think it would go over if someone came to the astronauts on their day of launch and they're all suited up, they're ready, they got their super cool suits on to withstand all that heat and stuff and they're just all geared out and everything's going. They're like, hey guys, we're really excited about the launch. There's millions of people here, but we don't really know where you're going. And we don't know if there's a course to come back. We're just kind of sending you off because it's really cool to launch. How many would sign up for that trip? Not me. There has to be a charted destination. And this year, for First Baptist Church, for my own personal life, I want that destination to be Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, and God-glorifying. Why? You say, well, TJ, I'm just a student. Can you be a Christ-centered student? Can you be a cross-focused student? Can you be a soul-winning student? Can you be a God-glorifying student? Well, yeah. Well, TJ, I'm a clerk, man. I just check people out and put stuff in bags as they leave the store. Can you be a soul-winning clerk? Christ-centered, cross-focused, God-glorifying? TJ, I'm a physician. I'm an employer. I'm an employee. TJ, I'm a stay-at-home mom. TJ, I'm a, I'm, a, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a professor. I'm an engineer. TJ, can I? Yeah. That's why that's our aim this year. Because Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, and God-glorifying fits into whatever box you try to make to get out of it. <laughs> We're all ministers. It's not on the pastor or the preacher to be Christ-centered, cross-focused, and soul-winning. Leave it to TJ. He'll get some people saved this year. No, it's on you. It's on the body of Christ. 
If we're going to launch into 2017, it's on you to be Christ-centered and cross-focused. If your family is going to move towards Christ this year, it's on you to be Christ-centered and cross-focused. If your life is going to leave 2016 behind and move towards Jesus, it's on you to be Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, and God-glorifying. And it's his grace that reveals it to us. It's his grace that charts the course for us. It's his, his grace that enables us to even do so. But it's on no one else today. The trajectory of our life is on no one else today. We can't blame our past. We can't blame our teachers. We can't blame our spouses. We can't blame our president or our president-elect. We can't blame anyone about the trajectory of our lives today. And you say, well, teacher, I don't really like the direction mine's going. Well, get out of the driver's seat. Let Christ have it. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. What are we going to strain for in 2017? More money? That make you happy in 2016? More stuff? That make you happy in 2016? A better body? A better tan? A better relationship? Any of those things make us happy in 2016? Really, deeply, fully fulfilled? No. No. Strain for a Christ centered, cross focused, soul winning, God glorifying perspective this year. Those are the two things that are absolutely necessary when we consider launching, when we consider taking off into the next year. We have to be prepared and we have to have a charted destination. But there's three things that are essential to fuel our lives to keep us from burning out. There are three things that are absolutely essential. And I was thinking, just to carry the analogy a little bit further, I began to think about how that conversation would go. All the planning, all the preparation, all the, the charted destination, all these thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of man hours and teams are put together and you launch. And then that one guy calls in, hey, this is Houston, we, we forgot to fuel you up. You guys got to come home. How bad would that go, Right? How terrible would that be? But it happens in the Christian life all the time. We get fired up for God. We hear a cool message or we go to a cool camp or we, we have this awesome experience with God and then weeks later or months later or maybe years later, we just begin to fizzle out. See, so how do I stay Fueled, Like what fuels my life? What fuels a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective? What fuels that? I want to tell you this morning. If you're taking notes, jot this down. If you're not taking notes, I highly suggest you start. Three things that are essential to fuel our lives and keep us on track in the year ahead as we pursue a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying life is a high, glorious view of God. A high, and glorious view of God. I want you to hear this. God is God. He's self-existing. There's self-existent. There's nothing he needs other than himself. So I, I want you to hear me this morning. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need your prayers. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your church attendance. He doesn't need your service. He does not need you. But hear me when I say this this morning. He absolutely wants you. 
And understanding today, if we could really wrap our heads around the reality, there's a really, 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 really big God who doesn't need me but wants me in his story, it begins to light a match, doesn't it? Begins to spark a flame in us. God really wants me. He's really big. He's self-existent. He's immutable. He doesn't change in character or nature or purpose. He's omnipresent. He's in all places at all times. Think about the God that we serve, that right now in Tifton, Georgia, we can hear the word of God, be convicted in our spirit, repent and turn, and somewhere on the other side of the world right now, somebody can be huddling in a dark corner in an underground church, receiving Christ, hearing the gospel in their language for the first time. God is all places at all times. Doing work in all places at all times. That's who we serve. That's our God. You say, how do I stay fueled up? Look at that God. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's holy, he's righteous, he's truth, he's love. First John 4, he says, God is love. He is all of those things. But if we were really honest with ourselves, can I, just, can I be real with you this morning? When I look back at 2016, there were moments throughout my year that it just didn't go as planned. Anybody have any of those moments in 2016? Taylor and I were foster parents, or our foster parents, but, but we, we had a child for a few years. And, and in 2016, he, it was a beautiful reconciliation with his, with his mom and he was able to go home. But for us, that was a deep, deep pain and a deep loss. And 2016 just didn't go the way that we, we wanted it to. We wanted him to be reunified, but we were just, we were hurt. And, and then um, on a Sunday morning during worship, I, my ears ruptured and I Got this thing called tinnitus all of a sudden where my ears ring 24-7 and I got angry with God. And 2016 just wasn't going the way that I wanted it to. In preparation for the sermon, when I think about that, when I think about times in my life, and I'm just being transparent with you this morning. I want you to know that I'm not some, oh, I'm perfect and everything, got everything together. Man, I drop the ball, I screw up all the time. And I can mark multiple times through my 2016 experience where I look back and, and, and I felt despair and loneliness and brokenness. I felt like I was all by myself and I wonder why did I feel that way? Because I allowed my circumstance to make me think God was a lot smaller than he really is. I allowed my circumstance and my suffering to minimize the bigness of God. I allowed what I was walking through to overshadow the glory and light of God. <laughs> but he's big. Amen. And what I learned coming out of 2016 is that no matter what we walk through, no matter what wave, you say, TJ, well, you don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't, but I can tell you this, he's bigger. And TJ, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know how big this wave is. No, but I know the one that can step out on any wave and say, peace be still, because he's bigger. This year, what would it be like if we really grabbed a big, high, holy view of God and refused to allow our situations, endeavored, strained? It's a strain to see God as big and beautiful when things are dark, as ugly, dark and ugly. It's a strain to see God as good and faithful when things seem bad and he seems distant. But it's worth the fight and it's worth the strain.
Because God is big and God is good and God is sovereign. I want you to hear this verse today. How do we maintain a high, glorious view of God? We understand and see him in his sovereignty. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. Listen to this, this is beautiful. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted, head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. He is sovereign. So how do I, how do I see God? Knowing that Charles Spurgeon said this, one of my favorite theologians said this, that every speck of dust takes flight and lands at the power and presence of God. He's sovereign. So the good that I've walked through, the bad that I walked through, he was not surprised by it. But scripture says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's allowed our story to intersect suffering. He's allowed our story to intersect loss and hardship and riches and wealth and prosperity, whatever your case may be. He's allowed those things to happen so that he might be glorified and so that we might be sanctified, so that we might see him more clearly and love him more deeply because he's sovereign. He's over all. Three things that are absolutely essential to fuel our lives and keep us on track for the year ahead. Keep a high, big view of God. That was number one. Number two, a clear understanding of the person and work of Christ. Sometimes we walk in condemnation or fear because we forget what Christ has really done for us. We forget that he lived an absolutely sinless life. 1 John 3, 5 says, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. He was absolutely sinless. We need to have a clear picture of that, that Christ didn't go to the cross as a normal man that had a few imperfections. He was absolutely perfect. He was God. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death. How do, I, how do I get fuel for my Christian life? You understand that the cross was ours to bear and to die on, but Christ Jesus took our place as the substitutionary atonement for our sin. Isaiah 52, three through six, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one who from we hid our faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely, listen to this, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How do, I, how do I fuel this Christian life? Do I work better, say a few less cuss words, don't drink a beer in 2017? Is that what I should do to get some real fuel in my Christian life? No. Have a high view of God and see that Christ Jesus came and was despised so that you could be accepted. He was rejected so that you could be loved. He was broken so that you could be healed. And he was left alone to die on the cross in the darkness of God's wrath so that you and I could be together in Christ. That's how we fuel a life in Christ. (laughs) We 
we understand, have a clear understanding of the personal work of Christ. He's lived a sinless life, had a substitutionary death. He was raised from the grace, 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Christ Jesus, one of the most beautiful things about him is not just that he, he lived a sinless life and died a sinless death, but he rose from the grave. And the God that we serve, the Christ that we trust with everything that we have is alive and well today. Last thing. Three things that are essential to fuel our lives and keep us on track in the year ahead is to have a high, big, glorious view of God, a clear understanding of the person of Christ, and confidence that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us will finish what he started. Confidence that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us will finish what he started. Christ said, I go away so that the comforter might come to you. And we have been indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We believers have been given, gifted the Holy Spirit. It takes residence in us. So that means we walk into 2017, out of 2016, not looking back, but looking forward to what God has for us. Not alone, but indwelled, filled up, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's in us so that we might be convicted, sanctified, preserved, and sustained. I said it earlier, but what a beautiful thing to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of terrible in the moment sometimes, but it's such a beautiful thing that God does with it. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's going to carry you through this year. You've got to have that confidence. That fuels our life. So that when we do sin and stumble, we have that fuel, we have that trust and that hope that the Holy Spirit convicts us, picks us up, cleans us, preserves us, doesn't allow the enemy to overtake us fully and condemn us. And he sustains us. We don't feel like we have another step to give. He sustains us. He carries us. So today my prayer for you as a church, my prayer for my my own heart, my own life, is that we would be prepared. That we would know the scriptures. That we would endeavor to really examine our heart and say, man, am I spiritually fit? Am I fit? And am, I, am I leaning on a team? or Do I have a group of accountable people around me that will hold me true to Christ? Do I know my destination? Am I Christ-centered and cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying? Is that going to be my pursuit? And if so, how do I stay fueled? Maybe your prayer goes like this. God, let me see you for the big, holy God you are. Let me see your glory. God, would you remind me of the person and work of Christ and what he really did in my place? And last but not least, God, would you just... Let me experience your Holy Spirit in such a way so that I'm confident that you sustain, you convict, you preserve, and you finish what you start. Let's pray. Father, you're the greatest of all time. You never change, you never waver, you never fail, you never back down. And you were rejected so that we could be received. You were hated so that we could be loved. You were broken so that we might be put back together. 
God, you're good. And we pray this morning as we, as we launch into 2017 with a Christ-centered, cross-focused, soul-winning, God-glorifying perspective that you would today just simply put, God, do in our hearts what we can't do for ourselves in the mighty, matchless, perfect name of Jesus. Amen.